Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. Um, this is going to be kind of an important topic, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a past experience that I have that I haven't really talked about a lot online just because I haven't really felt comfortable doing so. But I think it is something that impacts a lot of people in the horse world. So I just wanted to kind of talk about this. And that topic is the trainer student power dynamic and how I think that impacts a lot of the um, abuses that we see normalized, not necessarily towards horses, but like from trainer to student and just kind of mistreatment that's normalized and certain toxic ideals that are pushed because of how heavy that power dynamic is and just kind of my personal experience with it as both a student and a trainer. And I wanted to talk about this because it's not something that's specific to the horse world. You see this type of power dynamic being abused in virtually any industry, so it's not super specific to the horse world. However, I would say what makes the horse world different is the lack of avenues in which you can actually address being mistreated by a trainer. Um, There is safe sport now, but that's not really a thing in Canada yet. It's a U.S. thing. We haven't really mandated that in the same way here to my knowledge and there isn't a whole lot of protections if you face discrimination from a trainer to really hold them accountable and there haven't really been a lot of ways to do that until fairly recently because even the whole safe sport thing is within the last several years that it's really become a thing and we've had problems with trainers normalizing toxic behaviors and toxic ways of training their students for a very long time and just certain abusive mindsets and mentalities that we normalize in the horse world to a large degree and I think that elephant kind of needs to be talked about we need to point out the elephant in the room um and I think it's imperative to like improving the horse world kind of picking apart some of the stuff that we normalize as regular behavior and yeah, I had a pretty negative experience with the last trainer that I regularly took lessons with and worked alongside, um, in which we had like a racist interaction and it made me really uncomfortable. I'll go into detail on that later. Um, so like I've had bad experiences with trainers recently, like within the last two years. And then the other thing is prior to that, during my childhood growing up, a lot of my role models as trainers didn't really set the best example and there was a lot of abuse towards the horses that was normalized, as well as certain things related to training riders that were unnecessarily critical and kind of toxic in how they would teach students and heavily criticize them. And just behaviors that I was taught was normal in the name of becoming a better rider, but I've learned now that like you don't really need to like humiliate and make fun of your students in order to make them better riders. So I've really changed my view on what I think is good and decent training. And I wanted to talk about this first of all, so that people who are either currently involved in these types of relationships with their trainers or have been in the past, so that they feel less alone, because it is so common that I think a lot of people have dealt with this. And there's so many different ways in which trainers can make you feel lesser than or do things that are inappropriate that make you uncomfortable. And I think we just need to discuss it more because there's a level of conduct that should be normalized. And honestly, even within good trainers, you don't always have to agree with them. And there can be grievances that you may need to air or things that you might need to talk to them about. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad trainer. And just the entire idea that we put trainers on such a pedestal where they can never be questioned, especially if they ride at the upper levels and whatnot, I think that is very, very concerning. And it condones a lot of the like the blind faith that we see in the horse world and just perpetuating wrong ideals and traditional beliefs that don't need to be carried on any longer. I think a lot of that is enabled by this exact mentality that puts trainers on such a pedestal despite the lack of qualifications required for someone to become a trainer. 
And yeah, it's something that I would like to see change because honestly, there's a lot of things that I was taught and the manners in which trainers would speak to me and kind of mistreat me for things that in the grand scheme of things were not a big deal and were little mistakes that were just unnecessary and they didn't facilitate my learning in any way. So I wanted to talk about those things and normalize it for everyone else and just kind of open the door for the discussion on this because I think we have a lot of toxic behaviors that are normalized in the horse world, both towards horses and towards other humans. And it's really hard to unlearn those ideas when you are taught from a young age. Like if you're lucky enough to start riding as a child your role models and trainers can teach you that this type of behavior is okay from a very young age when you're super impressionable and then you essentially grow up never questioning it and that can lead to a really insidious negative aspect in your life where you're being enabled and being emotionally immature and taking out your frustration and anger on people and horses especially in lessons and stuff because it's like like, George Morris is less in favor now, obviously, because he's a fucking pedophile and lost his Hall of Fame spot because of that, because of the whole safe sport thing. But a lot of people will still support the man, which supports what I'm saying about this mindset. But it took a long time for him to fall from favor. And he, like, I have seen him train in clinics. He is a nasty man. He goes about criticizing riders in such an unnecessary way, like an unnecessarily harsh, negative and mean way. And this isn't to say that he doesn't have any good advice to have. I'm not saying that he's never done anything good in the horse world, but the bad that he's perpetuated in the horse world, especially since he's a freaking pedophile, negates any good that he has put into it. And um, so, sorry, I lost my train of thought because that got heated. But so... It's troubling to me because people will still defend someone like that. And as someone who's seen him teach, he does things that are unnecessary, like being blatantly fat phobic and shaming people. And I've seen him nitpick riders' weights in clinics when they are literally not even remotely big. Not that that would justify it, but like he is the type of person with like the type of stuff that he normalized and would do in front of literally hundreds of people during clinics. It's stuff that can give people lasting trauma that actually really negatively impacts them for life. And it's so unnecessary because it doesn't make them better riders. So he's saying things that humiliate and embarrass people and make them feel so shitty that it can cause lasting issues and body image problems and so on for them. But it doesn't facilitate becoming a better rider. So the purpose of it isn't really one. It's just being mean-spirited and picking someone apart to humiliate them in front of a crowd for no reason. And he normalized the idea that, like, tough love was a good training idea and that it's, like, a necessary part of becoming a good rider is not having a trainer coddle you. And the weird thing about that mindset being so normalized to me is that it's the notion that not being mean to someone is coddling them because a trainer can point out your flaws and teach you and tell you what you're doing wrong and where your areas of weakness are without humiliating and bullying you. Like you can say, hey, your leg is really weak. We need to work on that and strengthen it. And here are some things that you can do to do that without being like, hey, your leg fucking sucks. Your leg is looser than I don't know, a wacky waving arm flailing tube man. You should just give up riding. You useless person. Like there you can give better advice by not degrading someone than you can by degrading them in that way. So like you you can be an honest trainer who is facilitating a rider and becoming a better rider without lying to them and without bullying them. The entire idea that being cruel is not coddling someone and that you have to be cruel to like criticize someone 
it's so flawed, especially when we consider that people are literally paying for trainers to teach them. And like, if you by chance end up with a trainer who is too harsh or their teaching style doesn't mesh with you, we shouldn't be shaming the rider for not bending their will to work with a trainer that they're inherently uncomfortable with when they're the paying customer and taking all the heat off of the trainer. Because even if the trainer does nothing wrong, if someone does not learn with the trainer's teaching style and the trainer is not willing to adjust that teaching style to be more fitted to the student and what they're comfortable with, then the student has every right to leave and pick a place that they are more comfortable at. at. And that isn't someone being like weak-minded or a pansy or being coddled or like oversensitive or not accepting their flaws. If a trainer's teaching style or the pace at which the trainer wants the student moving, especially if they're moving too fast, that like people have the right to not be comfortable with that. Like I wouldn't want to pay money to go be taught by someone who just degrades me and makes me feel shitty every lesson and I don't take a lot of information out of it. And that doesn't mean I'm weak-minded. It in fact means that I'm strong-minded enough to advocate for myself and choose a trainer that is better suited to my learning style, especially as someone with ADHD. If someone has impatience with me needing them to repeat stuff and so on and so forth, it's not conducive to my learning to be with a trainer that's going to spend more time arguing with me on why I should need them to ask, need to ask them to repeat themselves than they do actually teaching me. And we've created this mindset that when students advocate for themselves in that manner by requesting that a trainer soften their teaching style or say something in a different way to help them learn or is confused and needs more clarification. We've created such a mindset that that's like an embarrassment and that you shouldn't take longer to learn certain things or you shouldn't need softness occasionally in training to learn better. And we've turned it all on the student and victim, like made the student, sorry, the trainer the victim and blamed the student for how they react to how a professional that they're paying for advice treats them. And it doesn't hold abusive trainers accountable then because it's, like, so easy for people to be like, oh, like, you're just, like, like weak-minded and, like, a pansy and you just can't take criticism. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. Like, honestly, a lot of the criticism that I see online, especially just pertaining to riders, not pertaining to health, horse welfare, um, it's mean-spirited. Like, people will go and they'll post snarky backhanded comments and be like, lol, nice leg, or fix your leg or your leg sucks or your hands suck or wow bad back learn to straighten your back and they'll just say like these one liners that offer absolutely no advice and serve no real purpose other than to be unkind and it's just people who are like minding their business trying to learn not actively harming their horses and people will try to just shrug it off as them like being like giving advice and be like oh well you shouldn't post things online if you're not ready for criticism and I agree with that to an extent if you're sharing opinions and whatnot you shouldn't share opinions with the expectation that you're only going to be okay with comments that agree with you um, but if you're just sharing your writing journey and you know you have flaws and you're taking lessons and actively learning, people that comment just to nitpick things for the sake of being unkind and offer absolutely no constructive advice, they do not have the right to try to pass that off as being helpful because they know damn well that the intent is not being helpful. It's just to pick apart someone's flaws and point out the flaws with offering like no advice and no constructive criticism. 
And it makes people defensive. And then it also makes it so that when people do give nice advice, that they're more likely to react to that defensively and assume someone is doing it from a place of mean-spiritedness because it happens so often that people are. And on top of this, it's normalized for like trainers to bully their own students. So they're already probably a bit defensive because of that. And then when they finally think that they've mastered things in lessons or that their trainer hasn't been nitpicking them on, if someone else then brings that up, they're much more likely to react in a reactionary manner, speaking from experience because I've done this myself. And this whole culture, it's like very judgy because even like I talked about this a little bit, I think it was in a live on YouTube. Our entire notion of like equitation and the equitation body, it's based off of a very specific type of body to the point where people who are heavier or who are built differently with different body proportions, like a shorter leg or short, short arms, they are criticized for things that they literally cannot help. Like a rider with really short arms is going to have to ride differently, especially on a really big horse than a rider who has super long arms and better reach. And a rider who has short legs is going to look differently on a horse than a rider with really long legs. But instead of factoring that into judgment, a lot of people will just judge riders for not looking the same as what they have created as the ideal body in equestrian in their mind. And it results in people being picked apart for things that they literally cannot help or fix. And like for me, I have scoliosis. My back is going to round and it's weak and it's something that I do have to work on. But unless I get surgery, like my back is not straight. I can't make it straight no matter how hard I try because it's not straight and I'm a little bit crooked. And if a trainer were to continue picking that apart, needlessly without offering me any advice that can actually improve the situation. It would just hit a point where it's not productive, it's not kind, and it's an issue that the rider has to learn how to ride with. And the same goes for people who are like short, who have body weaknesses, or if you're like uneven, or for people who are struggling with mental or physical disabilities, they have to learn how to ride within the confines of their reality, not what someone else views the reality of a rider to be. And the job of a trainer is to actually help them facilitate and learn with their weaknesses or with their struggles or with things that make their learning style and riding style different. And it's the trainer's job to teach them with those in mind, especially if we're talking things that the person cannot fix at all or at least cannot immediately fix or that are not fair or productive to ask them to fix. And with how harsh we've made the horse world judgment, like with their judgment and how normalized we make it for people to be unkind, we've rendered it like like people's first reaction isn't to consider like, okay, like if a rider is struggling with this aspect of their riding, what are their body weaknesses? What are their, what's their learning style? What's making this more difficult for them? And how can I help them learn better? It's more, it's more likely that someone will go, oh, well, everyone else learned this faster. So like, why aren't you? Or like, oh, I picked that up easier. So why are you struggling with this? Or like, oh, it's like pretty easy to just fix your leg and do this because they might be thinking how it was for them and in their body, but they're not considering how someone else might struggle or how the horse they're, they're riding might make things more difficult for them to work on and so on and so forth. Um, and the whole student trainer power dynamic enables this because we're taught to never really question our trainers. We're taught to try to fit a one size fits all like cookie cutter approach for how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to ride and how we're supposed to learn and how long things are supposed to take. And it makes people constantly trying to compete with each other and comparing themselves to others and also like rendering their trainer's word as like gospel and never questioning it and being like shamed if they ever try to like look at different outlooks and consider 
like, the opinions of other trainers. It's very taboo to, like, train with other trainers, and a lot of trainers will get defensive with you if you're trying to learn, or if you ever said, like, oh, I saw this from so-and-so, and I was wondering what you think. A lot of trainers will first get defensive, and then maybe explain, or maybe not at all. And it's very discouraged for people to question their trainers, which honestly inhibits learning because people are taught to never ask questions, to just believe what their trainer says blindly and never get a full understanding of why they're doing certain things. And this makes them easier to exploit, easier to, uh, for the trainer to just kind of lie to and continue to perpetuate traditional methods that might not work or blame the student for the lack of improvement in their horse even if it's something that the trainer is doing or the trainer hasn't properly addressed and it teaches horseback riders to feel ashamed of themselves for what they can't accomplish rather than learning different avenues of how how to achieve something if they're hitting a wall or being taught that like it's okay to struggle with things and it sometimes takes people longer to learn things it makes students utterly dependent on their trainers and their opinions and teaches them that they can't really seek any outside help and that they should question any of their misgivings and blindly follow what their trainer tells them, even if there's a lack of evidence. And it makes people a lot easier to abuse and take advantage of because you're just teaching them to never question you and that they don't have the right to question you, that if they do question you, that there could be a negative consequence. Like, for example, growing up, I was never taught any other skills of how to handle problem behaviors like biting other than, like, hitting the horse and getting after them. Or, like, when horses would bloat, my trainer taught me how to, like, kick them in the gut, like, knee them in the gut. And, like, yeah, an eight-year-old kid probably isn't doing much damage, like a four- to eight-year-old kid, but it's also, like, why are you teaching a child who lacks the emotional control of an adult simply because of their age that it's okay to do like physical violence like that especially since it would have put me in more danger and those are little things that I was taught and if I didn't do that I would get in trouble for that they'd be like oh if you get after them you're going to teach horses bad habits and in some cases if I wouldn't do things the horses get taken away from me and the trainer would be clearly upset with me and be like oh like you're going to need to learn how to do this or they're going to walk all over you and you're going to teach my horses bad habits and there would be blame and I would feel ashamed of myself especially if it happened in front of other riders in the barn and you desperately especially at that age you desperately want to impress your trainer who is like your idol and your role model and so you learn to do things that you're initially uncomfortable with and question and don't want to do because you're forced into doing it and you're told to never question it and it creates conflict between like what you want to do for yourself and what and what you feel is right versus what you're being told to do especially when the horses aren't yours that makes it even more difficult because you have less of a means to advocate for them and the trainer can weaponize their ownership of the horse to be like oh you're gonna ruin the horse this is your fault and it it just teaches people to stop advocating for horses as well and it also teaches them to not advocate for themselves and just to kind of sit back and take abuse and bear through uncomfortable situations and be too afraid to talk about them because also there's a pretty good chance the rest of the community could shame you for how you react to certain things if they're normalized enough. And that can be really painful and hurtful too. So it results in a lot of people feeling like alone and voiceless and being taught things that they initially wouldn't have been okay with and kind of brainwashed into doing them because they've just been constantly taught don't question it just do it don't question it just do it if you question it you're going to get punished and you're taught through consistent like punishment and suppress suppressal of your behavior to not 
to not advocate for yourself and to not question things because if you question things it results in a more uncomfortable situation that's aversive to you and that you would prefer to avoid so it's easier to just ignore it and to just believe the trainer and stop questioning and yeah and just let what they do happen and I think this is also why we have so many stubborn mindsets in the horse world that refuse to change because we like literally indoctrinate and teach people not to advocate for the horses, not to advocate for themselves. Don't question anything. This is the way it's always done. Everyone else does it. All the pros do this. So-and-so competed to this level and did this. Oh, like you need to suck it up. Good riders need to take criticism. Da, 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 da. All of it is like putting blame on the rider for not being able to cope with an unfair environment. And we also see it with the whole pull up your bootstraps. If you work hard enough, you'll make it. And if you want it badly enough, you'll work hard enough to make it mindset. And this is something that's commonly perpetuated by trainers and people who have quote unquote made it in the horse world to try to convince people who come from low income families that like all it takes is a little hard work and sacrifice to get somewhere. But then the problem is like the USEF did a member profile and the average income of their members was $185,000 a year. That's well above the national average. Like it's not even remotely close to what is like the actual average person's income. It's easily three times or more higher than what the average person is making. And these people are telling everyone that, like, all they need to do is sacrifice a little and work hard enough to get there. But if you're making an average of $185,000 a year, the level of sacrifice you need to make to go to A circuit shows and make it as a big name rider on that income versus someone who's making, like, thirty dollars to $60,000 is, like, much, much less. And these people are running the entire show and, like, they, they control a lot of the media sources. There are a lot of the trainers. There are a lot of the big name riders and adult amateurs and juniors that have nice horses and have big followings and get to be present on the circuit and are well known for it. They're made up of, like, a lot of those people. And these are the people that are perpetuating a lot of these mindsets and saying that it's okay. And people are afraid to speak up. And we see it, like, even with abuse cases, like with the whole Mark Todd case. Um, the writer was initially afraid to speak up and waited to speak up. And then when she did, there was a lot of backlash in which she was blamed and in which even the horse and hound tried to make a smear campaign article on her where they said an old employer saw her hitting and kicking horses several years back. And whether or not that's true, there is a lack of proof for it, whereas there's proof for the Mark Todd case. And people questioned her waiting to come forward for that. Um, but then the same people who questioned that were condoning the article Horse and Hound wrote despite the lack of proof. And it just shows how skewed the power dynamic is between like the average rider, especially a rider coming from any type of lower income or who isn't at like the, the upper levels and really ingrained in the culture, like riding with big name trainers and going on the show circuit. There is such a huge change in the amount, like the power dynamic and how you're perceived. And I also see it like obviously as a female trainer, like I get discredited faster than male trainers do. And that's definitely something that I've noticed often. But even as a trainer who has gone to the lengths I have to become educated and get my behavioral certifications and do the equine sciences certificate and really work to do those things. Even as someone who's done that, I'm quickly discredited by people because of my lack of show record. They'll be like, oh, I haven't seen you do like a meter 60 course. Who are you to judge why these horses might be in pain if they're wearing like a double twisted wire rope gag? Or like, who are you to say that this horse doesn't like its job or that horses think this way or that way or this training method is aversive? Blah, 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 blah. They'll very quickly discredit me because I've not competed at that level, despite my qualifications exceeding most of the people competing at that level, especially when we're discussing 
the horses and how they feel about things and how they perceive things. And I've gone to the lengths I have to educate myself because I've wanted to. And despite that, people are very quick to write off my level of expertise. And also when I bring up my qualifications to try to discredit it and say that I'm doing it to be cocky or that I'm like flexing and like that it's somehow something that I should be ashamed of referencing and to like back my points when I've put in that level of work to educate myself. And I'm a professional in the industry, but I still notice a huge shift in the power dynamic depending on how much status you have in the horse industry. And it's kind of like a pyramid because like there's like, like the, I'd say students, especially underage students without their own horses, they'd be at like the very bottom of the pyramid being like the basis of the horse world the barn rats that are so exploited by trainers and just want to ride horses and are willing to do like anything to do it and then as you near the top you'd have like trainers who can have more control because they can exercise control over their students and their students horses especially if they run their own barns trainers can have control over everything that students do with their horses from saying like when they're allowed to ride or jump their horses what the horse eats how the horse lives which shows they go to and it's very normal for owners to have like a very hands-off experience with their horses so the owners would fall underneath that too and they're still very much controlled by like the trainer's power complex and what their views are and what they believe to be correct whether or not what the trainer believes is actually correct and just and fair and good for the horses and good for the students and then as you get closer to the top you have like the upper level riders and upper level trainers and the people who have money and status and are well respected because of the amount that they've shown and like the level they've been to get to they've been able to get to in the horse world and you're not allowed to question these types of people unless you've competed at their level despite the fact that like you don't really need to ride at that level like other than like the actual logistics of riding and piloting and balancing a horse around that level you don't need to be riding at that level to learn about like the mechanics of certain equipment basic equine behavior and so on and so forth. And it's such a cop-out to use that because it's once again the silencing tactic of being like, I know more than you, shut up, don't question me, I'm not going to actually support anything I say with any real evidence, but you're not allowed to question me because you're less experienced and I am better than you. And that's the whole tone it takes. And it's basically just like the same attitude we see from like the basic trainer-student relationship in a barn trickling down from the very top and it impacts anyone who challenges the status quo and challenges some of these difficult opinions. And I see it all the time in the comments on my posts. And it really concerns me because it's basically setting up people to be groomed, to be taken advantage of and teaching them to never advocate for themselves and never question things. And honestly, it's impacted me outside of the horse world in a lot of ways because there's been so many instances where I've not advocated for myself because I've worried about the person's response more than I've worried about my own emotions. And it means that I lack communication skills because of it. And it's something that I've been consistently taught to do. Like, don't question the status quo. You don't have the experience to question this person. They don't have to substantiate themselves to you because they're better than you don't question anything and I've tried to like be the pacifist in a lot of cases and it's taken a lot of growth for me to be willing to kind of step up and like voice my opinion loudly on things especially with like personal relationships where I'm dealing with potentially difficult people that I have to interact with on a regular basis like that type of stuff still gives me a lot of anxiety I've gotten better at advocating for myself and holding my ground over the last few years as I've learned more and as I've gotten more comfortable with myself but it's been something that's been very difficult to learn because 
all my life as an equestrian, whether I was like the junior rider in a program or the trainer I am now, I've had people that have tried to discredit my experience and try to dampen my accomplishments and try to use like things like my age, gender, beliefs to discredit my opinions or my lack of experience and years in the horse world as a reason that I shouldn't question things. And it's taught me not to believe in myself and not to trust my intuition, not to trust my experience and to just listen to other people and believe that their experience and what they believe themselves to be is better than what I know of myself. And so I've questioned myself harder than I've questioned other people. And it's led me into a lot of unsafe situations in and out of the horse world or in situations where I've stayed in uncomfortable relationships or relationships where I'm being taken advantage of, be they, be it platonic or romantic and not spoken up for myself and not communicated because I fear the person's response to that communication because I've been taught not to challenge anything and not to voice my opinions because they won't be respected. And I see it being taught to students worldwide. And I said I'd talk a bit about my experience, so I'm going to because, like, as I mentioned before, like, growing up, I saw my trainers doing a lot of shady stuff, and I was taught never to question things, and I, and when I did ask, I was often told things that were lies, whether or not they were aware that they were lying or truly believed it, I don't know, but I was taught to do a lot of stuff that was just, like, their reaction to their lack of knowledge on how to handle certain situations and just taking like the easy way out and it constantly resulted in like chronic issues and behavioral problems with the horses like even if we solved whatever behavior was bothering us at that time like more and more behaviors would arise like my Arabian was always bolting basically the whole time I had him until he was turned out and they would I like I would get blamed for my lack of ability to control him and like yeah, like, basically have it all put on me, and I was never actually taught how to look for solutions and, like, wondering why the behavior exists. So it made me utterly dependent on my trainer, and it rendered me very unable to help myself, and I lacked imagination and problem-solving skills to the degree I would have if I had been taught them. But I was taught not to really think for myself and just believe what I was told and recycle the same tactics of handling things over and over again, even when initially they didn't make me comfortable. And it honestly created a monster because over the course of my childhood, I was just taught to overuse punishment and really harsh escalating pressure. And blame the horse for every behavior without actually calling it blaming the horse because I would always say like oh never blame the horse but like my actions did not reflect that I said don't blame the horse and it like led me to having such piss poor like emotional coping skills and I would get angry easier and horses were less enjoyable and I hit a point where I was like I'm not having fun like my horse isn't having fun like I hate this I don't really want to ride anymore and I honestly almost quit riding like around 14 when I first got out of the Arabian circuit because I was just so burnt out and it was no fun and my horse wasn't fun to ride because he's always bolting and spooking and hot and we were always fighting with each other and the tactics that I'd been taught to address these things just never worked. So I was frustrated and I took a lengthy break from horseback riding during which I was like in high school and dating a guy who was like very not nice to me and was cheating on me and who I also didn't advocate for myself in that relationship. And I was just not feeling good about myself and not feeling good about riding. And it was a blessing when I decided to like move my horse away from a show barn and into an area where he got turned out more because I started to learn more skills and I learned like the 
effects of management and I had it displayed like right out in front of me because of the difference in his behavior once he was turned out. And that's kind of what caused me to get curious and start to question a lot of the things that I've been taught to never question and like consistently had drilled in my head, don't question, don't question, you're wrong, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about. And that kind of led me on the path of like advocating for myself more little by little and trying new things and starting to sway away from what professionals in the community who were older than me and who used their years in the industry to discredit me and say that I was wrong about my feelings of things or tell me like, oh, no, it's actually this. You're wrong about this. Um, it led me to start kind of doing things more differently from them, which is great. But it's taken me such a long time, even like as I've grown as a professional, to get the confidence to really stand by my education and advocate for myself and disagree with people who have a perceived more experience, especially when they're viewed as having more status and have more impressive horses or more expensive horses and nicer barn. And they have everything to paint the image to what people like to look at, that they are credible and that they know what they're doing. And it's taken me a long time to kind of dig my heels in and stick to my guns. And a situation that I think was a huge turning point for me was this situation with my past trainer, uh, where I was kind of trapped in a, in a situation where there was blatant racism occurring and I was being like he was trying to back me into a corner and have me admit to something that I did not agree with and I refused to and I held my ground and it was so uncomfortable for me like my heart was racing I was having a panic panic attack but it was something that I needed to do and standing up to like a bully like that, especially one that I was so afraid of and that there was red flags over the course of the time that I knew him that I should have listened to. And even initially, like the, I just had a discomfort with it. And I thought that I was being sexist and that it was because he was a man and that I was being judgmental. So I wanted to give it a chance. And it caused me to not take note of a lot of red flags and a lot of instances in which I was degraded and made to feel small and made to feel that a lot of like my talent and my successes as a professional were solely the result of him helping me when I had already done a lot of that stuff and already started on my path to educating myself more and working with my horses and was the one riding all of his horses and improving them for him. Like, yes, under instruction sometimes and for like, but still like I was the one riding them. And a lot of that credit was stripped away from me and I was made to feel small or made to feel like I was so much worse than a lot of people or that I had so many problems to work on and that he was so much better than me. And it made it easier for him to try to manipulate me. And where it finally came to a head was like in 2020, right around when the pandemic first started and when the Black Lives Matter protests were getting really big, um, the Black Lives Matter protests came up and I was like already uncomfortable with the situation because like I never really want to like start, especially at work, start discussing these things with like a middle-aged white man. And initially it started off okay, but then the conversation kind of got to the point where he was saying that, like, there's a reason why black people are going to jail in higher numbers and it's just because they commit more crimes, they're more dangerous, they murder more people, and they've brought this on themselves, and that they don't really have a reason to be protesting, that there's no unfairness, no police brutality, and obviously I disagree with all that stuff very much, so I was like, actually, no, like, statistically there is, like, a clear difference in how black people are sentenced for the same crimes when compared to white people who committed the same crimes. Like, they get higher sentencing, they're more likely to go to jail for things, whereas white people are more likely to get off free, they're pulled over more, and, like, yada, 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 the whole thing. Just being discredited, not believing me, claiming that he knew better, and that, like, when I was older, I might understand, and, like, lack of experience for age. Claims that cops had discriminated against his son and pulled him over at night, and he was white, so that means that it's, like, fair 
And then the conversation hit a point where he was just like trying to get me to answer the question, why, why are white people afraid? Like, why, like, what reason do white people have to be afraid of black people? And I was like, oh, like they're only if they're racist, that's their reason. And he kept asking the same question because he wanted me to admit to the fact that white, that, that black people have caused a reason for white people to be afraid of them and that it's their fault and I refused to and I just said only if they're racist only if they're racist only if they're racist only if they're racist and he honestly was berating me like five times and this was all while I was like at least five times all while I was like riding a horse and I was trying to keep the horse calm because obviously I was very agitated about this and it was a situation where I felt really trapped because especially since I'm on a horse, like if I wasn't on a horse, I could have gotten, I could have gotten up and left, but like getting off a horse and like having to deal with the horse and like actually physically remove yourself from that situation. It wasn't a situation that I could easily leave. And he knew that. And it made me feel like very trapped and it was very uncomfortable. And I would have probably in a different situation tried to leave rather than continue the discussion but I couldn't like I wasn't gonna let him break me down and have me admit to something that I just morally do not agree with because white people absolutely do not have a reason to be afraid of black people but black people historically have a reason to be afraid of white people absolutely because of being enslaved and all of the racism and like lynching and cruelty that was to follow and what they still experience and like that is something that I firmly stand by and it wasn't something that I was willing to like drop to try to appease someone who is being unreasonable and also like I want to add that like as the employer and like the older person and the trainer in this situation it's even more unacceptable that he brought this topic up and continued to push it even when I kept giving him the same answer because he was trying to manipulate and bully me into admitting something that he knew I didn't want to admit to um so it's it's even more inappropriate because of the power dynamic here like it was it's not okay and even still I held my ground and then like finally after the last time he asked me the question I gave the same answer he like sat down on the mounting block and was quiet and I was like fuck thank god I can like cool this horse out and put it away and get the fuck out of here and never come back great but then like after like I don't know 30 second to a minute pause he like gets up and he's yelling and leaps off the mounting block and storms towards me and the horse, the horse is like, what the fuck? Why is this man approaching me aggressively? And he's just like, you just called me an uneducated racist. And I was like, no, I said that if people, if white people think that they have a reason to be afraid of black people, that they are racist. So like, I mean, I guess if it applies to you, sure. And he's just like, you just called me an uneducated racist. Get the fuck off my horse. So I did. And I left and I just like, waited by the car because Janae was there too and Janae untacked the horses and put them away and then I blocked him on everything after this and I have not spoken to him since this day, will not interact with him and it was a really horrible time. I had a lot of anxiety about him lashing out and doing something to my horses or saying something in the community or doing something to otherwise like harm my reputation or my animals because he knows where I live and It was something that I was really scared of because I was like, it was a conversation that made me so uncomfortable to the core and that anyone who knows me is just one that you shouldn't be engaging in with me. And he took that power, like the the perceived power he had as a trainer and employer and kind of lorded that over my head and tried to force me to, to like talk about something that I was not comfortable with and that was absolutely not an appropriate topic to discuss at work. And since like technically when you're working as like an equine employee, you're a pro you're a contractor, like you're, you're not working on like a proper payroll. It's not like a government 
like recognized job where there's easy means of reporting it. So like I didn't really know what to do after this other than blocking him and I was really scared to speak out on it because I was I was terrified of retaliation and I was just like really scared of how the community would perceive me and how it would actually be taken because there has been a lot of discrimination in the horse world and it's not that racism doesn't exist in the horse world it is pretty rampant so I was concerned how people would perceive this especially since I'd seen a lot of people on my timeline in the horse community that were against the Black Lives Matter protests and it was such an uncomfortable situation that was really hard to like overcome and deal with because it was just like awful and like after this like I like this was around the same time that I was getting diagnosed with ADHD and starting Adderall and stuff and like started working at the racetrack over the summer after this just so I had a job that I could start immediately rather than like advertising and taking on more clients than I already had and I lost like 20 to 30 pounds in like one month like because of my Adderall induced nausea because of the stress of everything and just how hard it was to be in this situation and how much like shame I felt despite the fact that that wasn't my fault and just like feeling bad about not recognizing red flags earlier and like the wasted time and just how dirty it made me feel to be in the presence of someone that felt that way knowing that I'm half black and that my dad's black and knowing like all of the things that I was sharing about the Black Lives Matter protests like it's pretty clear where I stand on my page and having someone that you thought respected you treat you like that can be really damaging and like like I said, the power dynamic is what concerns me the most because now I worry about, like, anyone else that could be exposed to trainers like that or that specific trainer. And, yeah, like, I th it's something that we do need to discuss because a lot of students don't feel comfortable speaking up about instances where they might have been mistreated by trainers or were situations that are uncomfortable and not okay, where they might have been abused during, like, work or lessons or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Or instances of bullying in the barn between students that are not properly addressed by trainers and are, in fact, kind of reinforced by trainers because of how they model the behavior to students within the barn. And with, if we don't talk about this and if we don't kind of address it more and, like, start to normalize the idea of respecting students more and not just putting all trainers on such a high pedestal that they're infallible and can't be questioned and that students are just inherently idiots who need to be completely relying on their students, if we keep perpetuating that, people don't know how to seek help and it also makes them scared too because they'll fear judgment from other horse people who aren't trainers but kind of model the same behaviors. And another thing that I want to mention, like, that happened really recently, which scared the shit out of me about this whole thing, which is why I'm bringing it up more, is, like, um, like, like I said, this trainer knows where I live, and, like, recently when I was riding, there's the part of, that you can see the end of the arena from the road, and I noticed a truck pulled over on the side of the road, and it looked just like this trainer's truck, which is a very recognizable truck, and unless the truck had been sold or by chance my eyes were fooling me, it was the exact same truck, Watched, pulled over on the side of the road, right past where you could see the arena, watching, and then, like, I was really scared, so I pulled up my horse, and I called Janae, and I was like, come over here and look at this and I pointed at it as like is that not his truck and she's like oh my god yeah it is and I was just like sick to my stomach because I was like holy shit like they were pulled over watching us and then pulled away when they saw us all stopped standing at the end of the arena looking at them and it's like a ways away from the arena so it's not like it's my arena's not right up close by the road but it was just the most unsettling thing ever to just like be watched by someone that you're afraid of and that like that caused you trauma and was very unkind to you about like personal things and like race like yeah was racist 
and just knowing that like almost two years after that happens that they would be motivated to like watch me in the arena that really scares me and like the amount of power that this type of intimidation gives trainers and like how this behavior is normalized it makes students set up to be mistreated and abused and have situations where they're so uncomfortable that they develop lasting traumas and anxieties from it and I think it's something that's important to address like it should be more normal to stand up to your trainer even if it's just setting a boundary like setting boundaries with people just means that you care enough to have that person in your life that you want to deal with the discomfort of whatever is going on and you want to set a boundary so that you can be comfortable and continue to interact with them and like that's really how it should be viewed like a trainer a, a student advocating for themselves to their trainer saying like hey like um, I was uncomfortable with how you did this or like the, the, this form of teaching style doesn't really work for me. Can we do it this way? Stuff like that shouldn't be viewed as taboo where students who need trainers who are softer and more patient with them shouldn't be made to feel like they're less of a rider because of it because we all have different learning styles. And normalizing the notion of like putting the blame on the riders for not being able to put up with like cruelty in training, it opens it up to larger forms of abuse that are much more overt because you're closing off any discussion for the littler ones and making people feel like they can't bring stuff up in, in fear of judgment, which means that if it does get to the point where they're being actively, like, emotionally abused or physically abused or, like, exploited for their work and treated unfairly, they're much less likely to advocate for themselves because it's so normalized to call students, like, ungrateful, like, pansies like that they can't take criticism and just blame them for their situation whether or not they're being exploited or whether or not the trainer could have handled it better and it it means that like people who are in worse more toxic programs that are not just like little problems they're less likely to speak up about the situation because we've already closed off conversation at the source and made it like a bad thing to bring those things up and I don't know. Like, I think that it's important to advocate for yourself and to talk to your trainers, if, especially if some, if you're confused about something in a lesson or if the way they said something made you feel a certain way. Like, I'd so much rather have people clarify things with me if they weren't sure of my tone or, like, how I meant something than just take it and feel bad about themselves and have it really impact their self-esteem and who they are as a person. And, like, I would expect the same from my trainers to me and vice versa because, like, I, it's just important to communicate and it's important to be considerate of others. And, I don't know, with my background with, like, the racism thing, like, I don't expect everyone to understand what police brutality is and to know about it. But, like, if you talk over top of people and you're dismissive and you're disrespectful and you try to pressure them into saying something that's completely against their belief system like that is bullying and it's not okay and like I'm not I'm I understand that everyone learns at a different pace and I've had to explain to people who have been ignorant about like things like Black Lives Matter or like the like drug addiction and like how they and like their beliefs on mental illness and stuff I've had to correct people and their response to it is what matters the most and trainers that close off that conversation and are just kind of like oh suck it up buttercup like you just need to learn to deal with it you're making excuses don't question this they do that and put all the blame on their students in order to remove all accountability from themselves and yeah it just makes for a very unfair power dynamic that can result in some pretty significant like traumas and issues and it can lead to like some very bad things being normalized and I think with like 
safe sport coming out in the U.S. and with, like, the violations that we've seen happen to, like, Rich Fellers and George Morris and stuff, it's kind of exposing that, like, some of these behaviors have been enabled and normalized in the community for such a long time, and now that people are finally starting to be held accountable, people are really shocked to hear that it is happening. And I'm not surprised at all, in all honesty, because we've just, like, taught everyone to shut up and to not advocate for themselves and that, like, if they want something badly enough, they need to work for it. And it doesn't really draw boundaries for what is fair work or what is fair treatment or what is appropriate behavior from your trainer. And it just kind of puts all of the responsibility on the students and the kids um, to, like, kind of, yeah, fulfill whatever the expectations are from the people who are in power around them so yeah it's just I don't know it's very concerning and for me like something like that was really traumatic and that happened to me as like a adult woman rather than a kid if it happened to me as a kid I would have just been bullied into it and I probably wouldn't have stood my ground in all honesty even though it wouldn't have been what I believed in but I'm glad that I did stand my ground because it gave me confidence to stand up to more people that are kind of like that and stand by my beliefs and it's like a lesson that I think I kind of needed to learn and I wish that I had learned sooner but I don't want other people to go through the same thing and feel alone in it and deal with like behavior that isn't okay like if you're constantly leaving your riding lessons feeling like shit because of stuff your trainer has said to you and that it's not very much fun and that you love horses and you want to get better so you keep going back but that you're always feeling bad about yourself that's not a good situation to be in and it's like something that we do need to talk about because riding is supposed to be enjoyable so if you're paying for lessons that are leaving you feel empty and like bad and not good like not good about yourself as a rider and not like you're improving and stuff it's stuff that people need to discuss and we need to kind of normalize that discussion and like normalize the idea that like some people struggle with certain concepts and riding for longer than others like everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and that's also something that I think trainers really need to recognize because it might be difficult to teach certain students certain things that may have been easy to teach to other students but that doesn't make the student that is in front of you that doesn't make their struggles less valid and we need to kind of just open the door for more divergencies and more differences because like as a kid and as an adult like I've had instances and lessons where I've been physically uncomfortable or injured and I've been uh, just berated and asked to do things or forced to do it by like having polo wraps tied around my shoulders and like kind of forcibly put into a position by the trainer or having like your legs tied to the girth rather than actually being taught the skill set on how to fix and address the problem and it's kind of all the same idea as like using training gadgets on horses trying to suppress behavior through punishment it's all band-aid fixes that aren't really addressing the underlying problem and are teaching the person the student like the learner to not advocate for themselves, to not question anything, and to be afraid to problem solve and offer new behaviors in fear of being wrong. And it makes us harder to teach, and it makes it harder to learn, and it makes it way harder to kind of adapt as we learn more about horsemanship and consider new science-based methods, because you're constantly taught to never trust yourself and to only believe what your trainer says, and to kind of die on the hill with that as your entire identity. So when stuff challenges the beliefs that you've had drilled into your head, and that you've kind of been bullied into believing, it can be really difficult to sit with that and accept it as fact and kind of learn from it. And so we've created this society of horse people who lack the ability to really learn and be trained and kind of don't want to learn and there's they cling on to their ignorance because they've had to be so abused to get to the level that they have been and like so 
like criticized and just not made to feel good about themselves that like when any aspect of that identity is questioned and they're kind of forced to reconsider that they might have learned some things wrong it feels like a huge attack on who you are so yeah that's kind of a little bit about my experience with the trainer and like um this is also why like I've been focusing on myself and I've been mostly training clients and I've kind of stepped back from riding my own horses a lot the last little while because I've also been rehabbing Milo's feet but like it's been really hard to kind of be open to trusting different trainers and trying different ones and it's kind of a scary thing to do and the one thing that I wanted to address is like there's this idea that the only way to improve yourself is being actively involved in riding lessons which is something that I once subscribed to but like I've been bettering my training through educating myself further through equine sciences program through getting my IAABC credentialing and through reading studies and learning more and talking to other professionals in the behavior industry and just kind of developing my connections that way. So while I haven't been actively getting riding lessons, I've been bettering my horsemanship in other ways. And people like that shouldn't be discredited. Like you can take a break from horses and you can still be actively bettering your knowledge of them and becoming a better horse person, even if you're not having horses physically in front of you. And I think that we need to keep that in mind because it's very elitist and unfair to suggest that people can't be good horse people from studying them online and learning about the best methods in which to train, like in which to use in training and how to like have better management because then when they do eventually get back to handling horses directly, they can apply all those things and learn from them. And yeah, so it's just, we need to kind of change how we value things and reevaluate our value system in the horse world because there's a lot of stuff that we do that isn't productive and doesn't contribute to like fairness and kindness in society and doesn't contribute to learning and actually makes riders harder, harder to teach over time and makes them resistant to learning new things. And it's all in the name of basically making it law that you can't question certain trainers and upper level riders and that like the little guys don't really have a voice because they're just presumed to be less knowledgeable and don't have anything good to say and it's resulting in a very backwards horse world that would be more likely to change and we could have a lot of really cool ideas on how to develop things and make the horse world more fair to the horses and more harmonious for both horse and human if we were more willing to hear other sides of things like the heavy reliance on the opinions of upper level riders over the opinions of professional behaviorists and equine scientists that's absurd and like organizations shouldn't be normalizing that like we should open the doors for like ideas of how to apply science and different ways of running boarding barns in more ethical ways and like how to run show industries in more ethical ways and that all starts with actually allowing everyone to have a voice and encouraging like discussion because like honestly a trainer that can't can't substantiate their program and can't answer your questions and can't address difficult topics when they're challenged isn't a very good trainer you need to be able to do that because you need to be well versed enough on what you're doing and why you're doing it so that you can explain it and being questioned isn't a bad thing it's how people learn and if you can't explain what you're doing that's a real problem so the fact that we're normalizing the idea that trainers not only don't have to explain themselves if they have a certain set of credentials which is usually show records and fancy horses, we're normalizing the idea that that's okay. And then we're also teaching the notion that like you can never question these people regardless of how you've learned or where you've received your information from. And it's resulted in a community of science denying horse people that will do anything to look for things that support their view of things and are only, yeah, looking for confirmation bias basically. And 
yeah, it halts, it halts growth and it results in like a lot less access to other people in the horse world and it makes people less empathetic towards both horses and humans. So it's something I would like to see change. And it's something that I have partaken in upholding in the past. And that's something that I was taught from a young age. And it's something that I'm constantly having to unlearn daily and really work hard to undo in my patterns of behavior and let go of that and let go of those biases. It's like, it's been work to do. And it's been something that I've worked hard on for like the last several years and then even within the last two years I've had some very important lessons taught to me um, that were very unpleasant but kind of redefined my perspective like the issue that I mentioned with like my trainer um, two years ago and then also George passing away and yeah and also reflecting on how I grew up and what I was exposed to as a young horse person and realizing that my role models and just how much cruelty was normalized to me it how it changed my perspective as a horse person and damaged me and made my growth harder and honestly I'm more proud of my growth because of that but it is hard to kind of reflect on what I was taught and how much further I could be along if I had been taught differently and yeah if it had been more normalized to question your trainers and if I hadn't been taught to be like ashamed of asking questions or of doing things wrong or questioning my trainer or not wanting to follow certain instructions by my trainer if they made me uncomfortable if I'd been taught that it was okay to advocate for myself and do that then it would have been less scary and I probably would have learned an awful lot more because I would have actually known the reasons behind why I was doing certain things and then later in my life when more educated people questioned stuff that I just had been taught blindly to to blindly believe I wouldn't have been so defensive and reactive and I would have been more receptive to learning because I wouldn't have been taught that being questioned is bad and that it's like reflective of how bad you are as a horse person and I don't know it's all mindsets that were just drilled into my head from a young age like I started riding at four and I've just realized how impressionable I was during those time periods and how big of a toll it took because like I spent over a decade in the Arabian circuit like learning how to do things the wrong way and then since then it's only been 12 years because I stopped riding Arabs like in shows when I was 14 and like honestly I was a train wreck from like 14 to 18 like with what I believed because I was kind of undoing a lot of the bullshit that I'd been taught and I was like being in a breed circuit I think is even worse because you're so closed off to how people outside of that do that and it normalizes some weirder practices that aren't generally accepted in open circuits. So the amount of growth that I've experienced in like a short time is something that I'm really proud of, but I just wish that it was something that had been more encouraged from a young age and that I had been more emboldened to speak out for myself and question my trainer on things because there was definitely numerous instances where I would notice my trainer doing things to my horse that I was not comfortable with and that didn't sit right with me, but I didn't feel like I could advocate for myself or my horse. And I know that a lot of riders feel like this and that conflicting behavior is really detrimental because you'll feel guilty for even years after like I still feel guilty about a lot of stuff that I've done or watched my trainer do when they lose patience and I can't go back and change it and I know it's not who I am now and it's not what I agree with and that I've actively been working to better myself but I still feel guilty about it and if I had felt that I could advocate for myself back then I could have stopped it from happening and it would have made me feel more in control and less of like in a freeze response like, for example, at one show when I had my Arabian gelding Farley, my old trainer, 
Um, he was really heavy in my hands and I was only like eight or nine when I first got him. So I was like pretty weak cause I was just a kid. So my trainer's means of handling that was tying his face, like his reins to his girth in the stall while he was in a Kimberwick and forcing him extremely behind the vertical to try to evade the pressure and leaving him like that for like over an hour to teach him a lesson about softness. And it was horrible. Like by the time he was untied, he was like, his muscles were shaking cause they were so overstressed and he was like calling and he was so un- happy it was horrible and I was so uncomfortable with it but I didn't say anything because in the past when I had I had been made fun of and made to feel like I was just like a softy and that I didn't know what I was doing and that this is like how the pros did it and I was wrong and like I was led to believe that this is just what everyone else was doing and that there wasn't a kinder way so then eventually it stopped me from questioning those things and I stopped advocating for my horse and it's not even just with those trainers that I've noticed it there's been numerous instances where trainers have kind of strong-armed their way into like forcing me to do things that were out of my comfort zone that I didn't think would help my horse and I was too scared to speak up for myself because the times where I had they would kind of really make me feel embarrassed especially in clinic situations or group lessons I would be ridiculed and then you're not really given any other option they're just basically you have to do this you have to listen to me you're paying me for my advice and then I was put into situations that I felt trapped in and forced to react in and Um, it resulted in me making decisions that weren't for the best interest of my horse and that I wasn't comfortable with long-term and that I didn't believe in. And yeah, learning how to advocate for yourself and having a trainer that encourages you to do that, I think is important because it keeps you safe and it helps you advocate for yourself and your horse in situations where it may be other, otherwise hard to. And I don't think a lot of trainers want to teach their students some of these skills because they don't want their students to be able to think for themselves and to start looking for outside information that could potentially question things that the trainer has taught them. So they teach them to be reliant solely on their advice, and then it results in clients not learning as much, and it also results in trainers never being held accountable or forced to question old beliefs. Like, honestly, like, new science and stuff comes out all the time, and, like, I've been forced to question a lot of things that I've believed worked for a long time and I've had to like reevaluate my training program and address my beliefs and kind of start doing things a whole new way and I've changed a lot of things within the last few years and it's been difficult to do but when you start realizing that things do work better and you have an easier time overall because of making changes in the grand scheme of things are minor it makes your whole life and enjoyment with the horses so much better so it's so worth it and I wish I'd started sooner because I could have been so much further ahead. So I guess the point of this podcast is if you've had a trainer who has bullied you or made you uncomfortable or taken advantage of you in in any way, just know that you're not alone. Like it's something that's very normalized and justified in the horse world and it's something that we do need to stop. Know that you're not alone. Like a lot of people have been made to feel othered and like that they can't partake in the horse world or that they're idiots or that they're useless because of trainers and how the equestrian world makes them feel and I can only like I can't imagine being in like a more marginalized group than I already am because I'm white passing but half black and I'm able-bodied and yes I have some injuries and stuff that do make things a little bit harder for me but overall I have it pretty good and I'm not really discriminated against I can only imagine how much more a trainer would try to take advantage of someone else someone that might have more difficulties than I would and I feel really sorry for the fact that like this type of behavior is enabled enough that it doesn't protect people who don't have the same ability to protect themselves or to be accepted in the horse world because of fitting the status quo closer. And that's kind of why I like doing these podcasts and stuff because I want people to feel less alone and I want them to feel comfortable like 
discussing problems and advocating for themselves and realizing that like change doesn't happen immediately it can come slowly and you you can let go and forgive yourself for things that you were taught by professionals that you trusted and you can start to undo toxic mindsets and like it's never too late like you can start and um a lot of times like when you feel bad about yourself or in situations where you blame yourself it's not always your fault so I think it's important to listen to other stories and for people to share theirs if they're comfortable so that other people can step out and say that they have experienced similar things and feel less alone. So for anyone who's interested, I'm wanting to do like either a podcast or a like a article, like a blog post on like discrimination in the horse world and like the trainer student pa- like power dynamic and how people might have been taken advantage of or mistreated or bullied by people who have like a certain perception of power or, like or a certain perceived power in the horse world or people who have been discriminated against because of how they're different from what people view as the ideal equestrian be it your skin color your sexual orientation your gender identity whether you're able-bodied or if you have like a mental illness mental disorder disorder anything like I'd love to hear stories from people like that where they've felt othered and like less a part of the community where people have lacked inclusion for them or mistreated them simply because of who you are I would love to hear your stories and if you're interested in contacting me you can email me at shelby at milestoneequestrian.ca and share your story and I would just love to hear any instances where um you've experienced certain difficulty because of obstacles that are specific to you in your life or instances where trainers have taken advantage of their power or done things that are unfair. I would like to hear anyone's story because I want to do a longer post about like inclusion and accessibility in the horse world and just kind of reforming it and where we can start because like a lot of these problems impact like people regardless of like who they are and like what individual experiences they have like even very privileged riders who have lots of money that are competing a circuit can be impacted by toxic abusive trainers so but I think it's important to remember that there's groups that are disproportionately impacted that are also aren't discussed enough and featured enough in the media so I do want to start talking about those types of things in my blog posts and the only way to get to the source is by interviewing people and their individual experiences and hearing them out. So if anyone would like to share theirs, I would love to hear um, yours. And if you've been bullied by a trainer and like had similar instances, or even if they're completely different stuff that you want to share, please contact me. I would love to hear from you. And it's yeah stuff that I would like to feature in a post because I think it's something that we need to discuss because the horse world's long time overdue for change. And having more empathy for other people's situations starts with actually hearing about their situations and having it become real to you and having you consider what they go through. So I would love to hear from you all. I hope that this podcast was helpful and that people can relate. And if anyone has had a similar experience, I'm very sorry. No one deserves that. And yeah, if anyone's interested in checking out some of my other stuff or supporting me, you can subscribe to my Patreon for behind the scenes stuff like extra training videos, um, product reveals for stuff that I'm producing uh, for my store and all that fun stuff. And you can subscribe for as, li- as little as $1 a month. And then I also have my like TikTok, SD Equus, Instagram, SD Equus, Twitter, same thing, Facebook, Milestone Equestrian, and my YouTube, which is just my name, Shelby Dennis. And you can like and subscribe to any of those or share this podcast to support me. And yeah, I have some really cool saddle pads that I've released for my spring collection. If you want to check those out, you can look down below in this podcast description, or you can go to Amor, A M 
O-R-E, equestrian.ca, and go to the Milestone tab and check out my bridles, my saddle pads, and I've also released some pretty neat meme sweaters of Banksy that I like. So if you want to check those out, those are how you can kind of support the podcast, Um, because I don't really usually do a lot of ads on here, and unfortunately, I don't get paid per view for any of these, so they are what they are. Those are the ways that you can support the podcast and help me get things like this fancy new microphone that I'm using now. Um... But yeah, thank you everyone for watching. It's pretty amazing to see like how viewed and downloaded these podcasts are. Um, It's always like surprising to see because I think that my podcasts are kind of like stylistically, it's like very stream of consciousness because I do record these all in one go. Like they honestly might as well be live. It's just when I have a topic, I just record and I go and I talk about it. And I know that's not probably everyone's ideal podcast because I'm not very structured. I don't write a script and I might repeat myself because of it or go off topic or forget what I'm saying because ADHD. Um, And yeah, I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's very like, yeah, it it amazes me how many people actually listen to them and resonate with them and like them because like I wouldn't have thought that this would be people's cup of tea Um, because yeah, like I just didn't think that, yeah, I didn't think that people would be this interested in hearing my lack of structure and this way of doing things. And it's honestly like, yeah, kind of freeing because I would have in the past, I felt the need to like over edit a lot of my videos and I wouldn't, and I felt the need to just not record, not record podcasts if I couldn't do them in a more structured way. And I was trying to copy the structures of what like other people would do and kind of follow that. So the fact that people resonate and like just the way that that works best for my mind and how I like to do things in my timeline, it means a lot to me because I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's really cool to see that people are still open to it, even if it's, like, less traditional than what um, some other podcasters might do and less organized and no clear posting day, just kind of being posted mishmash everywhere. Um, It's cool that people still listen, so thank you, everyone. I really appreciate it, and yeah, don't forget to check out, like, my merch store, the saddle pads, the bridles and stuff. We have some cool stuff in the works, and the more people support, like, the Patreon um, or by buying products, the more ability it gives me to kind of expand and try to offer more things and start to book things like model shoots. Like I want to do a big product release for my clothing line eventually and do a really inclusive sizing, but it, it is hard doing that all on my own dime because it's completely dependent on my assets and what I can put into buying product. And it's very expensive to test products and like sell them and all that jazz. So yeah, if you check out the stuff in store, that helps. And I'm going to continue trying to develop size inclusive lines and just try to increase the diversity in the horse world and talk about accessibility and kind of bring light to like problems that I don't feel get enough discussion and people that lack voices I would love to give them a voice on my platform and through my company um, which is why I try to do these things so yeah like feel free to reach out if anyone has a story that they would like to share and thank you again for listening to my podcast and have a great day and I hope everyone's doing well so yeah keep on keeping on if you're in a difficult situation you can do this and just know that you're not alone